Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Liedeke, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Liedeke. And I'm your self-publishing insider, Carice Crow, novelist and speaker. When authors talk about the horrors of working with a publisher, one thing that tends to come up is the grant of rights. And the grant of rights, that's when you, you know, you're when you do a book deal, you're granting the publisher the right to print copies of your book. Right. Right. Yep. So when those rights are tied up, then you can't do anything with them because even though it's still your work your intellectual property you've given them the rights to print it and so therefore you cannot print it yourself as long as they have the rights to print it the publisher has dibs (laughs) yes (laughs) yes someone wrote and asked about this issue that can sometimes happen in which The book is not actually in print, but yet you don't have your rights back. And this is like a nightmare situation Hmm. for any author. It does not happen very often in my experience. There are a couple authors who, that's kind of a, that's a very open-ended scenario. Simply that the rights have not reverted back, but the book is also not in print. Yes. That, that can go a lot of different ways. Yes. And it, it boils down to very, to use kind of your terminology, very open-ended contract language right? where it was not defined at what point do these rights revert? You know, that was kind of left Mm -hmm. to interpretation or to the publisher's discretion. And so there you are. Now you've got authors stuck in this situation. Mm -hmm. And what has perpetuated this situation is print on demand publishing and e-publishing eBooks. And that's because a publisher can keep a book quote unquote in print indefinitely, as long as it's offered as an Mm eBook or as long as they have a print on demand, you know, option. So you can still get the print paperback It's just, there's not an actual physical stock in a warehouse anywhere. So that's what we're going to talk about. One of our clients that we're working with right now, um, you know, she had a run of, she was definitely picked up by her publisher again. I think she had about 15 or 20 books that were published, you know, from about 1990 to probably 2005. Mm. And the overwhelming majority of them are now out of print. Yeah. Um, they could use, there are a lot of nonfiction and they could use a more modern touch to it for sure. That's fine. Um, but yeah, she kind of had to chase down her publisher yeah. and essentially say, look, this book hasn't been in print in years. Yeah. And I don't know if there was specific language about when her rights would revert back to her or not, but from the couple of authors that I've known, who have been in this scenario, publishers tend, in my experience, to be very willing to give you back your book. Yeah. If it's not selling for them, because it's not doing anything for them. Yeah. It's not costing them anything. I think where it comes in is that 
you're literally asking them for something that's not going to make them any money. Right. So it's not like, it's not like your email is going to the top of the inbox, you know? Right. It can be delayed and it can take a while and it might be the kind of, you know, squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, publishers are still businesses. They still, you know, if a title's not making them money, these aren't like stock options, you know, they're not waiting for them to just magically go back up someday. No, it's, and it's, it's funny. I've, I've learned that there's like a big difference in how publishers view this kind of a situation, depending on how big or little the publisher is. Small publishers are usually a lot more offended if you ask for your rights back. Right. Because Because, they're more. Yeah. That was going to be my guess as well. Whereas large publishers are more, yep, that happens. It's fine. Yeah. So lovely, you know, because they have so much, I hate to call it turnover, but if I essentially, you know, it's author turnover to some degree, as opposed to smaller publishers where maybe that, that book they're self-publishing is really going to take off. We don't want to let go these five books that we haven't printed in four years, but maybe. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Big publishers, they can write that off as a loss. You know, even yep. if you're in the red, small publishers, they really want you to, you to be in the black before they'll sign the, you know, sign it back to you. And once you hit profit status, they don't want to let you go. So it's just, it's a messy thing. Um, and, but typically it does require the author going to them. They're not going to automatically revert necessarily. You usually have to go to them and ask. So that's, normal. But the key is with these dangers of print on demand and with these dangers of eBooks enabling publishers to keep books in print indefinitely, right? it's important to, to clarify the out of print clause in your contract. Right. So I was thinking about that too. And I guess my solution to that situation would be, you know, if it's out of print, it's out of print. It's cut and dry. Are we printing more books or are we not? But with eBooks, right. it's, it's always there. It's always available. Print on demand, same thing, really. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, as an agent, like, I mean, I think you should, but do you include language, you know, that specifies, say, look, if, this title fails to sell 200 copies within 365 days, then the rights revert back to the author, something like that. Yes. I mean, that's how I would fix that problem personally, because then you're, then it's copies, you know, Yeah. it's still a copy, whether it's digital or print on demand, or if it's purchased at a bookstore, that's still a copy of the book. Yep. You know? That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. We make sure that is very clear. So yes. Feel it. Yes. yes. Thinking like an agent. I mean, we want there to be no doubt when that book right. hits that threshold. Right. There to be no doubt that right. it's out of print and that the publisher needs to make a decision or do a print run. Like right. those are their options. So we we have some kind of threshold, whether it's dollars or copies that varies depending on the publisher. The right. threshold varies from $100 to $200 to, mm. you know, I don't think it's ever gone above 250. Um, but then there's also like within a certain time period. So it's, it's mm-hmm. if you haven't made more than $200 within four 
royalty reports, then that's when this triggers. And then the publisher has 60 days to decide if they're going to do a full print run and revitalize interest in the book. And, and if they don't want to do that, then they revert rights. Um, so that's how it is. And you have to make sure that in the contract, there isn't some language about how, if the book is still in the red, the author has to pay back that advance in order to get their rights back. That is nasty. That's not author friendly. You can't always get publishers to strike that. But again, typically that's something that you see with smaller houses, not necessarily the big houses. So that's how yeah. it goes down. And, and in my time in the industry, so in the past 10 years, I've really seen this change from it being this really nebulous, mysterious, like, well, when is it out of print? We don't know. It's online mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. It gone, it went from that to now the language is consistently showing up in contracts. It's right. like we've reached this point where, okay, publishers have realized they can't just get away with what they used to be getting away with. Mm -hmm. And so they're automatically including the, the out of print terms. Right. So that's nice. That's good for everybody. I definitely, if I was in those situations, I'd want to be very careful about those out of print terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How often do publishers decide, you know, you gave an example of, well, now they have 60 days to decide if they want to do another print run. Do they want to try to revitalize interest in the book? I just can't imagine that's common. No. I can't imagine that there's a lot of publishers out there who have, who are like, we have so much marketing budget. You know what we're <laughs> going to throw it at? This book that hasn't sold many copies in the last five years. Right. There was um, only one instance recently. We asked for the audio rights to reverse. So that's a whole nother aspect of this in which if you want to get individual rights, like you've got a, sometimes you can get individual rights before you can get all of the rights back. So you can maybe get audio or Spanish language or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to get audio back and because they hadn't done anything for years uh, on the audio rights. And they said, no, we're going to hold on to these. And, and there aren't any clear out of print or there aren't any clear rights reversion for audio. At least there weren't back then. Nowadays, I try to have a, if the publisher doesn't exercise audio rights within two years, they automatically revert. Mm -hmm. So things like that. But back mm -hmm. then we didn't have those um, because audio rights weren't as big of a deal. And so anyway, the publisher could decide whether or not they wanted to release those. And they said, no, we're actually in the process of putting our backlist into audio so we're just, we're not going to pursue this at this point. So they said no, essentially. So we right. came back to them six months, maybe it was 12 months later and asked again after we didn't hear anything more after that. And at that mm -hmm. point, then they did revert right. the audio rights. Right. That's a well, process, that seems, man. <laughs> well, but that seems like the smart approach to take with it. Yeah. Because honestly, I mean, if you were trying to get your client's audio rights reverted from the publisher to the client, mm -hmm. I would assume that then your client would have had to take on the additional cost yeah. to have an audiobook professionally produced, which is not cheap to have it done well. Right. As opposed to just 
let's wait six, 12 months. And yeah. if they do anything with it, I mean, those royalties would be coming to your client. Yeah. And they didn't have to pay for an audiobook. Yeah. And if they don't do anything with it, it's still there. Right. You know, I think that's one of those times where the wisdom is don't fight. You know, sometimes a lot of times with the, when it comes to, you know, your own artistic work or contracts or whatever, there's this instinct to try to, you didn't get the response you wanted. So you want to keep pressing until you do. And I think that's smart. If somebody says, no, we're, we're actively trying to put our backlog into audio, say, okay, well, I hope I'm part of that. And if I'm not, I'm not, but if I am, it's going to save me 10 grand easy, you know, I sit, I just sit tight for 10 grand. That's fine. You know, you hear all of these horror stories in the music industry about music rights getting tied up and singers can't sing and they aren't making any money on their songs because of this or that, you know, whatever book publishing to me, doesn't seem to be that evil, (laughs) at least in my experience of it. Yeah. Grin, I've never represented like the author equivalent of Taylor Swift and tried to, you know, get those rights back. (laughs) But But then there might be some evilness coming, but there aren't enough author equivalents to celebrity equivalents. Like it's just right. They're very differently sized industries. Right. And I haven't known, you know, it's not like authors can't write until publishers you know like the the weird things that are in music contracts don't exist in book contracts so mm-hmm. it's it doesn't seem as evil i have known publishers to be fairly flexible in giving rights back um you just need to make sure that your language is clear that your threshold is clear mm-hmm. even if you're working with a, especially if you're working with a small publisher um there tends to be this we're all in this together kind of mindset when it comes to small presses and indie presses that is not going to benefit you at the end of the day, you know, being in this together and helping one another out just means that you're missing important things that you should be doing to set yourself up for success down the road with contracts and with agreements. Right. So, so if an author already has a contract with a publishing house and the language is not specific about when certain rights revert back. Mm-hmm. I mean, how does that work? Is it just approaching yeah, the publisher, yeah. you know, like testing the waters, dipping a toe in? All right, are, are things freezing or are they pretty warm? Yeah, you know? that's how I would approach it. And I would really make a case. You may not have that language worked into your contract, but if you know you haven't made more than $200 in the past four pay periods, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if it's been five years or more since the book was published, then you have some tangible, like that's like you're building your case as to why they really don't need to keep this property anymore. Right. And so if you can communicate it from that kind of logic, you know, point of view, I think you'll get farther than just, Hey, I want my rights back the end, you know, you know, really make that case. Right. Act like you have those terms in your contract. I mean, don't say that you do, but you know, approach it from that perspective. And is that how you would, is that how you would personally phrase it? You know, within the last 
five years. This is how many copies we've sold within the last four pay periods. This is how much money I've made. My rights are coming back to me. You know, I, I like would, if yeah. you, if you, cause I mean, maybe they look it up. Maybe they don't. I don't know. I have no idea. If they totally kind would. of like, they, <laughs> they have people like this is their job. This is their people. So their interns. I think it's important though, to let them know that, you know, and that you aren't just some uninformed author who never looks at their royalty report because gotcha. that kind of author exists all the time. Gotcha. So if you go to them and say, look, I haven't made more than $200 in the last four pay periods. We it's been five, six, seven years since this book released. We've really mm-hmm. slowed down. I would appreciate it if you would consider a full rights reversion. Please let me know. You know, that's how I would phrase it. Yeah. Uh, and if they won't consider the full, then again, ask for those bits and pieces. Can you have the audio? Can you have mm-hmm. this or that? Uh, right. And then just keep asking every year. That's what I would do. That's how I would go about it. And I think you'd run into some success if you approached it that way. Right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gate Crashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. You can send a tip via PayPal. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode. 